As we worship together today, I worship as the church is centered and focused completely uh, on the suffering of Jesus Christ. And I worship today as a total reminder to us of the suffering of Jesus Christ because of our sins. And we remember that suffering of Jesus on our behalf as we celebrate this Lord's Supper. And our remembering should be especially pointing to the suffering of Jesus Christ when we share in the bread, which is symbolic of the body of Jesus Christ, broken for us and His sacrifice for us and His love displayed for us. And then as we partake of the cup of the juice, the fruit of the vine, that represents uh, symbolically the blood of Jesus Christ, which gives to us a new covenant, a new way of relating to God. And all of that is made possible through the glory of God's grace revealed to us in the suffering of Jesus Christ. In one of his writings, A.W. Tozer said, We live in a spiritually troubled time in history. Everyone is just delighted that Jesus has done all of the sorrowing, all of the suffering, all of the dying. I think what Tozer is saying is simply that we gladly accept our salvation without much thought about the suffering of Jesus for our salvation. And so today we're going to focus upon the suffering of Jesus, but it's all about our salvation. And we remember the suffering of Jesus as we look upon the cross and we come to share in the Lord's Supper. And we see the grace of God magnified in the life of Jesus Christ. Our scripture today is in Revelation chapter 5. And I want us to look there as we begin looking at this scripture. I want us to look in verse 6, beginning in verse 6 and then reading through uh, verse uh, 14. As a scene in heaven that John gives to us about the worship element and the worship surrounding the lamb that was slain. And this is what we find, such awesome words that we find here in the scripture. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircle the throne and the living creatures and the elders In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. What a, what a fantastic passage of Scripture that should spark our, our concern about how we view the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, and His suffering for us. And the suffering of this utterly innocent and infinite holy 
Son of God in the place of utterly undeserving sinners like you and like me to bring to us the everlasting joy of a relationship with God is the, by far the greatest display of the glory of God's grace that there could ever be. There's no greater display of the glory of God's grace than what happened on the cross of Calvary. Jesus suffered and he died as our Redeemer so that we might become the children of God. And Jesus had to die for that to happen. When we look at the scripture here in Revelation, it's a, it's a fantastic scene of the worship scene and the setting and the glories of heaven. And the host of heaven are focusing their worship, not just on the Lamb of God, but on the Lamb who was slain. And that song continues on in the Revelation 15.3, where John records, And they sang the song of, the, of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Therefore, I think we can conclude that the centerpiece of worship in the glories of heaven for all eternity will be on display in the glory of God's grace as that worship centers around the slaughtered Lamb of God. Angels and all the redeemed will sing of the suffering of the Lamb forever and ever. The suffering of the Son of God will never be forgotten in the glories of heaven. And here on earth, we must never forget the suffering of the Son of God, the Lamb of God who was slain for our sins. You see, it's that greatest suffering of all time that will be the centerpiece of worship in the glories of heaven for all eternity. And this was no afterthought in the mind of God, but it was in His heart planned before the foundations of the world were laid. Everything. Everything that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us, unworthy sinners, he accomplished for us through his suffering. Everything that we enjoy in the kingdom of God, everything that we anticipate in the kingdom of God comes to us because of the suffering of Jesus Christ the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. I want us to look at the glory of God's grace displayed in the suffering of Jesus this morning. Seven things I want to point out. And then as our hearts are prepared, then we celebrate with the Lord's Supper and we remember truly the suffering of Jesus as we partake of the bread and we partake of the cup. First of all, Jesus absorbed the wrath or the anger and then it really means the fierce, intense anger of God on our behalf as he suffered. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God on our behalf as he suffered. See, the wrath of God was upon us because we, we sinned and, and we fell out of relationship with him. We, we sinned against God and all of his holiness and all of his glory. And God's anger was upon us because of our sin. And his anger should have punished us, but instead he sent Jesus Christ to the cross. And Jesus there absorbed all of God's wrath poured out on him instead of on us. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 3.13 and he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. 
A reference to the tree, of course, is to the cross that's wooden and comes from, uh, made out of wood and comes from a tree. But see, there, there is the great display of the glory of God and the glory of God's grace revealed in the suffering of Jesus Christ. That Jesus absorbed the anger and the wrath of God as Jesus hung upon the cross and he suffered. The second thing to notice is that Jesus bore our sins and he purchased our forgiveness as he suffered. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. The tree once again in reference to the cross. Isaiah 53, 5, the prophet so many years before Jesus said, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. You see, Jesus bore our sins. He literally became sin for us. And he purchased our forgiveness as he suffered. See, those sins that we committed, they should have crushed us. We should have died in our sins. We should have died in our sin because of our transgression against God. But in the glory of God's grace instead, he put Jesus Christ on the cross. And Jesus bore our sins and he purchased our forgiveness as he suffered. And the third thing to notice through his suffering is that Jesus provided the perfect righteousness for us as he suffered. We have to always remember that God is holy and God is righteous. And we cannot have a relationship with God unless we are righteous. But who is righteous in the sight of God? The Bible teaches us that all of our righteousness is nothing but a pile of filthy rags. So how could we have a relationship with a holy and righteous God? Well, God sent Jesus Christ to the cross to provide that righteousness for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, should be a, that should be a life verse for every believer, for everyone who follows after Jesus Christ because it explains to us very simply how we are able to have a relationship with a righteous God when we, even though we come and we repent of our sins and forgiven of our sin, still have that sin nature that battles in our life and we still lapse into sin from time to time at various stages and levels of our life. Because Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We talked earlier about that's that great exchange where God exchanged our sin for his righteousness. And only God in the glory of his grace and the manifestation of his love for us would he do something like that. Only a loving God who sent Jesus Christ into the world to save us from our sins would do that. So Jesus provided the perfect righteousness for us as he suffered. And the fourth thing to observe about his suffering is that Jesus defeated death as he suffered. Why did he need to do that? Well, I think it's because since the beginning of time, since life began, there's always been a fear of death about what's on the other side of life in this world as we know it. This is the only world that we know. This is the only life that we know. So many years ago, Job asked that question, if a man die, will he live again? We want to know, is there life beyond this world? Is there life in, beyond life in this world that we experience? Or as some people believe that this is all you get, this one shot at life. You live in this world, you die, and that's the end. Jesus came to teach us that we don't have to be afraid of death any longer. Because he went to the cross and he destroyed death. He was buried, literally dead, 
But on the third day, God brought him back from the dead through the power of the resurrection. The writer of Hebrews reminds us of that in Hebrews 2. He says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Listen, you know what that says? That says, because of the glory of God's grace displayed in the sufferings of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, you don't have to fear death any longer. You don't have to be concerned about what's on the other side. You don't have to be concerned about whether this is all that there is, that you live for a brief time here and then you die. Because the Bible teaches us through what Jesus did for us in his suffering that there is life beyond. Through his resurrection, he reminds us that there is life beyond. And so we no longer have to be held in hostage to the fear of death. In 2 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul writes and says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Yeah, we might die. I mean, this past week, starting last Sunday morning, around 7 o'clock or so, we have been reminded of the fact that life does not endure forever in this world. We've experienced the death of three church members since last Sunday. That means three funerals. We've already had one yesterday. We have one tomorrow and one later on this week. We're reminded that death is a reality, but praise God, He's taken the sting out of death through the suffering of Jesus Christ. And we need to remember that, that Jesus defeated death as he suffered. That's the glory of God's grace displayed in the suffering of Jesus Christ. And then the fifth thing to remember is that Jesus disarmed Satan as he suffered. Now, you see, it, it, was, it, it was through the, through the uh, temptation work and the devious mindset of Satan that Jesus was sent to the cross as an innocent man by those who fell victim to the schemes of Satan. But God turned the tables on Satan on the cross because Jesus disarmed Satan as he suffered. One of my favorite passages about that is in Colossians 2, 13 through 15. And it kind of wraps up everything that took place on the cross. Because the Apostle Paul writes and he says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having counseled the written code with its regulations that were against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. You see, God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross because we were dead in our sins. That's our spiritual condition. But God made us alive in Christ through his suffering. He counseled out our sin debt. And then notice the last thing that happened. Then having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What Jesus did on the cross was not only defeat death, not only die in our place for our sins, not only cancel out our sin debt and forgive us of our sin, make us righteous in the sight of God, but he defeated the powers of Satan for all time. When our sin debt was canceled, then the powers of Satan were defeated. You see, the only thing that Satan has, the only weapon he has to damn us to hell is unforgiven sin. And because Jesus Christ has died on the cross for us, for our sins to be forgiven, no one needs to experience hell. Because Satan has no power over you 
when you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. Jesus disarmed Satan as he suffered. And then number six, Jesus purchased our perfect healing as he suffered. Isaiah 53, 5 says, The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. That was so many years before Jesus came to walk upon the face of the earth and before he went to the cross to die for us that the prophet Isaiah spoke about him as the suffering servant who would take our punishment, who would take our chastisement, who would take what we rightly deserved, and by that we would be healed. In Revelation 7, 17, John writes and says, For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. See, the Lamb that was slaughtered, and the Lamb that was raised from the dead, and the Lamb together with the Father, Jesus Christ will wipe away every tear from our eyes and he will bring about our spiritual healing. And there is the glory of God's grace and it can come to us only through the suffering of Jesus Christ. And then number seven, and seven is the perfect number in biblical thinking, that Jesus will finally bring us to God and he will do it by his suffering. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Why did God send him? It's because God loves you so much he wants a relationship with you. And he sent Jesus to die on the cross in your place for your sin so that he could bring you to God. So that our sins would be forgiven. We would experience the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Whenever God looks upon us he would see the righteousness of Jesus Christ instead of our sinful nature. And the bottom line of all of that is that he will bring us to God. And it's all made possible through the suffering of Jesus. In 1 Peter 3.18, Peter writes and says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. I think the ultimate achievement of the cross is fellowship with God. That's the intent of the cross event from before the foundations of the earth were laid. That God wanted a relationship with us. He knew that sin would come and break that fellowship. But he still loved us in spite of our sin. He still wanted a relationship with us so much. He sent his son Jesus Christ to suffer on the cross so that he could bring all these things into our life and even more. And bring us into the very presence of God for all eternity. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in the flesh to suffer and die. And that through that suffering and death to save undeserving sinners like you and like me. And that coming to die in that suffering death once again, is the supreme manifestation of the greatness, of the glory, of the grace of God. We're reminded of that today in the elements of the Lord's Supper. And the bread that represents symbolically the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was sacrificed for us, treated so brutally and harshly. 
And in the cup of juice that represents symbolically the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the perfect blood that was shed for our forgiveness and for our salvation under a new covenant. No more animal sacrifices were required. No more other sacrifices were required. The perfect ultimate sacrifice was made in the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. Come with me to the table and remember the suffering of Jesus and receive the glory of God's grace.